Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do the things that inspire them. And welcome to the iHemp Revolution, where we'll be discussing benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profits. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? My guest today is Michael Lewis. In 2009, Michael became a husband and father, a Kentucky proud farmer. He's a veteran of the 3rd U.S. Infantry, the Old Guard. He began full-time farming in 2010, supporting local farmers markets and community-supported agriculture throughout 2011. He founded America's first veteran-oriented food security organization, the Growing Warriors Project in 2012. Growing Warriors assists and trains our nation's military veterans in agricultural production for themselves, their family, and the nation. In 2013, Michael was a recipient of Kentucky's Local Food Heroes Award, an honor granted by Seed Capital Kentucky and Kentucky Department of Agriculture to exceptional individuals who promote local, farm-fresh food grown in Kentucky. In 2014, Yahoo honored Michael as one of the eight people who made our world a better place promoting projects across multiple states with growing warriors. His vision is to bring about the growth and change that Kentucky, the U.S., our environment, and Earth needs. He stands out among Kentucky farmers for giving so many people access to Kentucky-grown food straight from the farm. Michael has served as a member of the Kentucky Industrial Food Commission, and, with the help of fellow veterans, operates America's first federally permitted industrial farm since 1934. So, Michael, welcome. Take a moment and maybe fill in the blanks what you did before hemp and how you got involved in hemp in the first place. Sure. I, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here with you today. Um, prior to um, my work with industrial hemp, specifically with industrial hemp, I have been uh, working as a family farm advocate, um, trying to help rebuild some rural ag economies throughout uh, central and eastern Appalachia, help uh, create interest, uh, generate markets for local farmers, and really help replace some of that ag gate revenue that left uh, Appalachian farms after the the tobacco buyouts. I spent uh, the two years right prior to uh, my involvement in Kentucky with Senate Bill 50, I had spent uh, working on the uh, Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, trying to uh, get some some rules and regulations changed that would be more uh, more beneficial to uh, small scale family producers like myself and my family. Um, immediately following that, I uh, had met with our Agriculture Commissioner James Comer. Um, and he uh, he spoke to me about industrial hemp, and I I uh, have to be uh, perfectly honest, I didn't know a lot about hemp. I was just really excited that uh, 
after having uh, spent eight or ten years fighting for, for policies and rules that would benefit small family farmers, I, I jumped at the chance to work with an elected official. The main reason I, I got involved, I was excited about an opportunity to help advance agriculture for Kentucky and for the, the U.S. So that I guess that's how I got involved in hemp. And, uh, that's a little bit of my background. I'm interested in knowing about tobacco buyouts. What does that entail? Some of the farmers you know, may want to be getting away from tobacco and into something different. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. Um, in in Kentucky specifically, we're um, we're we're rather blessed with uh, the largest number of small family farms in the southeastern. Uh, United States, and that is because of tobacco. Um, you know, up until the Tobacco Master Settlement in in the 90s, early 90s, you know, farmers could could get loans from from banks just based on their tobacco base because of the parity system and because of the profitability of that uh, crop. Uh, in the early 90s, as uh, people were waking up to the ills of of tobacco, the health risks. Um, the, the settlements came, you know, the tobacco companies settled with the states. That settlement included a buyout, uh, which uh, essentially paid farmers for not growing crops. They could either sell their base um, or hold on to their base and compete in a less favorable market that was uh, more weighted towards large-scale producers. The bulk of uh, the small crop producers in Kentucky took those uh, master settlement buyouts, which um, essentially equated to about a 20-year conservation program that kept uh, all the small landing land holdings in, in Kentucky um, out of production and in uh, basically in a hay and conservation program. Um, those uh, those settlement payments dried up in 2014, and uh, we we need to find. Uh, so this is several thousand dollars an acre that are now not coming into rural family farms, and uh, we need a we need an alternative. And hemp uh, certainly um, certainly fills helps fill that gap. Um, it's not the only solution. It's not a a silver bullet, but it's certainly it's a big piece moving uh, Kentucky family farms forward. And, of course, I mean, what's what's good for Kentucky family farms is good for uh, American family farms. So. Well, that's great, then. It enlightens me a little bit. I really didn't know how that really worked. Uh, so the money dried up last year then. So now they are looking for something else to grow. And I think hemp is the uh, one of the solutions there and, and probably one of the best solutions, I would say. Michael, we talked before, and you had mentioned uh, about uh, your growing. You had a small growth last year. Uh, can you tell us how many acres did you grow last year, and what did you use that for? Um, yeah, last year we grew uh, just over two acres. The uh, the bulk of that crop was used for research and development with a, an organization out of California called Fire Shed and the International Clothing Company. Um, we're researching and developing environmentally friendly ways to cottonize the hemp so that it can fit in the existing textile industry. The other half of the crop is actually uh, right now being uh, woven and spun into uh, handmade uh, American flags that will be uh, hopefully done by the by the first week of September. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're pretty excited. We had a you know we had quite a few veterans. My brother and his wife are both veterans. Uh, Kevin or our farm manager and a 
few other of our, our friends were down and, uh, you know, we spent the summer growing the crop and we've been uh, hand hand processing it, hand breaking it uh, since and uh, passing it off to some local spinners and weavers who have uh, done a, a tremendous job um, using their existing equipment to get this into into these flags. So we're, we're pretty excited to, to unveil those in the next few weeks. Oh, that's that's great. So now tell me a little bit about your your company manages some acreages for other people, and tell me how you got into that, and and then why you're doing that. Um, yeah, you know, I I guess it stems back to my work in uh, in farm advocacy, and and a big part of farm advocacy is helping farmers uh, penetrate new markets and develop new processes for existing crops they they may already have and um i you know it was this, this company that the freedom seed and feed was sort of born out of the the frustration that all the federal dollars that were coming to help support farmers increase revenue was was not really about helping them increase revenue it's more about getting them to do more work so apparently if you want to be a successful farmer you have to not only know how to navigate your land and use it as efficiently so that you're not, um, you know, so that you live within the limits of the finite resources that you have, but you also have to uh, go to these classes to become an expert marketer. Um, you have to become a blogger. Um, you have to learn a little bit about web development. Oh, and you've, you've got to learn how to process your <laughs> I mean, so that was sort of, um, you know, I didn't start farming because I wanted to be a, a processor or a blogger or a, a writer of great essays. I, I started farming because I wanted to start, because I wanted to farm. And um, so that was sort of how we, we started this company. We, you know, we looked at everything that was out there for industrial hemp, and we had looked at the research and the, the capital, the, uh, the the intelligence capital, I guess, or the knowledge capital that it took us to to get the understanding that we have. And we thought that, um, you know, we have a strong understanding of what it takes to make farms uh, successfully get a farmer's product to the market. We had the networks and the connections, so we. Um, we set out to establish a company that could help a farmer not only um, grow the crop with our knowledge, but access a federal transitioning program for certified organic, um, other other federal dollars that are out there, as well as uh, work with the end user to help make sure that they're they're buying what they want from the farmer. Um, so that's essentially what we do um, this year. Uh, you know, I, I sum it up pretty. Uh, you know, we're sort of like the e-harmony, I guess, of of the, of the farming world. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't we don't um, we want to make sure we're matching buyers up with farmers that share uh, their sort of vision and values. So relationships are are very important to me. As a as a as a student of Wendell Berry and, and Thomas Jefferson agrarian values, so we uh, we like to focus on building strong relationships between farmers and buyers and helping manage uh, getting in the middle and managing expectations on both ends. I guess we're working with about eight farmers. Uh, we have uh, roughly 150 acres in. It's uh, you know across the spectrum for for our good friend uh, Morris at the Colorado Paper uh, call. Company for uh, paper products, uh, as well as some some processing of the vast and the herd fibers for textiles aisles, um, and we're also working with the concrete and horse bedding. So, um, you know, we're we're pretty excited about the potential opportunity for farmers to access uh, new markets, and that's one of the really exciting things for us. 
uh, the the hemp crop is. You know, you, you typically when I when I grow a tomato, I'm I'm growing a tomato. Um, when I grow hemp, I'm I'm growing for three things, not just one, right? I'm I'm growing for a grain crop, I'm growing for a, the bass fiber, and I'm I'm growing for the herd. Um, and so that that really opens up opportunities to drive higher revenues per acre for farmers because of the multiplicity of the the uses of this crop. Yes, yes, it has very very you know a, a wide range of uh, uses, and as we can see, and they're more and more being developed every every day as we as we speak here. All this has to be processed. How many crops can be grown per year? on there because I know that industrial hemp has a growing season of three, maybe four months. How many uh, crops can you grow on, on your land? In a season? Yeah, in a season, yeah. And say in a year. In other words, I know you're not going to grow it during the wintertime, but can you get two seasons out of, two growths gross out of that? Um, we're, we're experimenting with it now. I think it's not going to be, uh, if we do, it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a shorter bast crop ahead of time, followed by a uh, by a seed and a grain crop. Okay. Um, I think we, you know, we get into we get into limits, and then your time limits, and then you get into. I mean, obviously the potential's there if the market value's there, but I, I see it kind of difficult for me to to justify, uh, you know, starting my crops out in the high tunnel and finishing them in the high tunnel to make sure that I get, right. you know, two complete harvests. Uh, where do you see the hemp industry going? In other words, what do you feel, what crop, what do you see exploding first? You know, honestly, I, I would see the paper and the, and the building material exploding first. Um, you know, those are the, the low-hanging fruit here, um, relatively easy to get to market. Um, the bass mm-hmm. fiber has, um, you know, for the textile industry, I, I still think there's some uh, a significant amount of R&D that needs to be done. Obviously, they're, they're already doing it in China and Europe and Asia, but I think that from, uh, from my perspective, the, uh, you know, those – a little bit of a environmental safety uh, research to be uh, that still needs to be done. Um, they're not exactly safe. There's a lot of chemicals, so that definitely has a a longer window. Where you know we anticipate three to three to four years before we have real infrastructure for um, for the for the textile industry. Um, the paper industry is a relatively easy, uh, um, and, it, and it's going to give us a big environmental impact, right? I mean, uh, you know, one acre of hemp is uh, several acres of, of forest when you start getting down to uh, biomass per acre. So there's a, you know, there's a huge potential not only just to get products to the market, but to, you know, to have a bigger impact on the earth and the and the, and the building, the building and horse bedding. I mean, that's uh, you know, our horse bedding business is just going through the roof. So I think those are the two immediates. I see the, you know, I see the plastics and those things are, are in the pipeline. But we have a capacity, you know, we have a supply capacity issue. We, you know, one of these plastics manufacturers that we've talked to is, you know, requires a thousand acres a year. Um, it took. Canada, what seven or eight years to get to a hundred thousand acres? So, right. I think you know we have a we have a lot of work to do. Um, but that you know, going uh, taking your lead in on the infrastructure, that to me has always been the exciting thing about the the hemp industry. Of course, it's the 
it's the negative that gets thrown up a lot. Well, there's no infrastructure. Well, you know, our government builds bridges in the middle of nowhere to, to put in infrastructure so they can pay people for jobs. So I think that the real exciting thing for me is that we need all this infrastructure. We have plenty of people that need jobs, and these are that are not extractive. These are jobs that work in harmony with the, with the local community and with the women. So, I, you know, I think the lack of infrastructure is really the, the opportunity that, that we have before us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helping build the infrastructure, in my, my opinion, uh, is the building industry and, you know, building homes out of hemp, hempcrete and stuff like that. It's just like that's the, they already have the, the knowledge to do that, and it's, Seems to me that it's relatively simple. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, the difference between having a wall that breathes versus a wall that is a barrier. I think, you know, when you get down to a, to a biological level, that's got to be better for, for, um, something for air and energy and, uh, all things to flow through. Right, right. Uh, what, what is the name of your company, by the way? Uh, Freedom Seed and Feed. Freedom Seed and Feed, great. Tell us uh, your, your website and your email address and phone number. Sure. My website is uh, freedomseedandfeed.com. My email address is mike at freedomseedandfeed.com. My, uh, and my, you know, I'm on, I guess I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Growing Warrior. Um, and, you know, if anybody has any questions or all right. Well, great, Mike. I want to thank you very much for being on the iHemp Revolution podcast. And I want to let all our, our listeners uh, make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes and give us a review. And please tell your friends and help us spread the word on Facebook and Twitter and so forth, all the social media. And so, hey, this is uh, Coach Freddie, and I want to thank uh, Mike, uh, for being on the iHemp Revolution. And so this is Coach Freddie again, inspiring people to do the things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.